0: Hello and welcome to Her Moments in History. I'm Michelle. I'm Grace. So you chose yeah. the topic so this week. I did, and I regretted it quite I, quickly afterwards. At first, I was like, "This is going to be hard," but then I like who I picked, so I'm okay with it.
1: Fair enough. I had the opposite. I like because so the the theme this week is like I think I called it like notable children yeah. or something like that. So somebody who did something fantastic when they were 18 or under Mm -hmm. and to begin with i was like great great i'm gonna do joan of arc until i realized that one i i didn't then want to (laughs) after i thought of it and two she was actually i think 19 was she when she did a lot of what she did i thought she was 16 Unless I just I can't do maths, so that's all <laughs> the potentialities that I just got the dates really wrong. Um, so and then I really struggled because it's very hard searching for people like because when you search like notable children, it just comes up with like men, well boys. Mozart or the Sprouse twins, yeah, yeah. Um, or celebrity or children or Disney Channel stars,
0: yeah, yeah. And it got it was weird because the website I managed to find something on was Good Housekeeping, the magazine. Like, because I was just... What? I was looking so much through Google, and I was like... Because I typed in, like, notable female children, but then it just come up with, like, notable women for kids, and not actually children. Yes. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to search for notable children, and just ignore the men. So, Mm -hmm. it came up with Good Housekeeping.
1: I just tried to narrow it, Yeah, at one point I tried to narrow it down to do, okay, what kind of person am I looking for Mm -hmm. so I don't just get, like, actors. Yeah. So I was, like, searching for children, child writers Mm -hmm. and child inventors and things like that. But when you type those kind of things in, they're like, look at these people who made stuff or wrote stuff
0: for children. It's like, no, that's not what I'm looking for. (laughs) I'm looking for actual (laughs) children who did these things. So Yeah, I used to be convinced that Google just didn't work for me, but it worked for everyone else. And it, this reminded me of that because, it, like, it wasn't listening to me. <laughs>
1: I d- it. You seem to you seem to think that a lot of technology does that on purpose. I just think it's a general. I mean, it happened to me as well, so I think it is a general thing. I know, but
0: it was when I was ten. So,
1: okay, yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, you're going first this week.
1: I am. So the person I've done because I. I say I really, really, really struggled to try and find somebody. Mm-hmm. And I especially tried to, to struggle because there's a lot of people who kind of did something when they were still a kid, but then did more things when they were an adult. Yeah. And I wanted someone who kind of did the base of what they were doing as a kid, mm-hmm. rather than just somebody who kind of like, oh, well, they always knew they wanted to do this. And then when they're an adult, they actually made it happen. Yeah so i really struggled <laughs> um and also the person i've done kind of did her notable thing when she was 18 so very mm-hmm. on the cut so <laughs> i've cre i i came up with our theme for this week and i've completely shat all over it basically <laughs> so the person i've done is temple grandon
0: i have never heard of them
1: haven't yeah. you fantastic because i thought she was more famous than I assume she is. Maybe make any sense. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, she was born um, in August on August 29th, uh, ninth, nineteen forty seven, mm-hmm. in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, her name was Mary Temple Grandin, but one of the apl- employees mm-hmm. of her family was also called Mary, so they called her Temple, so her middle name to kind of avoid confusion. Okay. So her mum was an actress and a singer who was called Anna Oh, I should have looked hard to pronounce this, Eustasia, I think it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. Perves, who had a degree in English from Harvard. Oh wow. Yeah. And her dad was called Richard McCurdy, who was a realtor and heir to a wheat farm business, which was called Temp- uh who was that was called the Grandin Farms. So they were a very wealthy family, mm-hmm. so money was no object. But also I just find it quite cool because like her mum was the, you know, her dad kind of, he was an heir. So like Mm -hmm. that worked in his favour. But her mum was like the one who who did, who did the stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. (laughs) Temple was the oldest of four children. Um, Mm. When I was reading the article which was explaining this, it said she was the oldest of four children with three younger siblings. I was like, thank you for repeating (laughs) the same thing twice. (laughs) Just because I was unsure. (laughs) Uh, so, her youngest sister was uh, ended up being an artist. Mm-hmm. The middle sister ended up being a sculptor. And then her brother ended up being a banker.
0: Whoa.
1: <laughs> which was apparently, yeah. So, creative family mm-hmm. and also very strategically minded family, which comes into play. She was raised in the, uh, this is not really important, but she was raised in, you know, the church. But she didn't really believe in, in, in mm-hmm. it. She believed in a self-god because it was like a more of a scientific... Um, method of, of believing in things so when she was two she was diagnosed with brain damage
0: that's odd it's usually isn't that like yeah. an incident happens and then you get brain damage
1: you, yeah is it just delayed? Um, but it was 1949 oh. no, it was 1949 so they just thought that everything <laughs> that could possibly oh. be, you know, atypical about a person was brain damage right When she was a teenager, her mum kind of checked on that Mm -hmm. because she was like, I don't think that it's brain damage and that it was something else. So her mum kind of had like these checklists that she would tick off like Mm -hmm. the symptoms that Temple had and actually found she probably had autism. Oh, a bit different. A little bit different, yeah. Um, The formal diagnosis though was not actually given to Temple until she was in her 40s. Of course. Yeah. So when she was a child still and they went to kind of seek advice for it, the doctor cuz Temple didn't actually speak until she was 4, she had mm-hmm. delayed speech. Um her parents were told that she was an infantile schizophrenic who would probably never speak. Oh my god. And they blamed they blamed her mother for lack of bonding.
0: Oh my god. So many issues would come from that. Goodness.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Doctors are shit. They're good people, but they were for a long time. I mean, yeah. Shit.
0: (laughs) Some aren't still that great, but, you know, we'll we'll move on. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But it's a blanket situation. They're good people, especially in today. So when she was a kid, her mum took her to different specialists to try and find the appropriate kind of educational needs that Temple needed. Ended up finding her a neurologist and a speech therapist. Mm -hmm. And they all really helped. Temple had a nanny when she was three that would, like, engage her with educational games and things, Mm -hmm. uh, which all worked. And then when she actually went to school, the school created an environment that would be, you know, that would suit her and her needs. Mm -hmm. So uh, Temple says that she was very, very grateful that all that was happening she was very um fortunate that all that was able to happen but when she got older people got meaner Ah. from from school yeah so the medical advice for autism at the time was institutionalization
0: as it was for every mental disorder
1: yeah, which is lovely, mm-hmm. which caused a rift between her parents mm-hmm. because her dad was very much like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Let's just send her away. Um, and her mum was like, mm, yeah. can we keep her? Because, like, she's my daughter and I love her and I, I want to be able to see her. So caused a bit of a rift. Mm-hmm. But when Temple was 14, she ended up being expelled from school because she'd thrown a book at somebody because they were teasing her. Oh. So she got expelled. Oh. So she had to be sent to a different school mm. anyway. Oh. I know. See, she, she when recounting her time at school, she said that she was the, you know, in quotes, nerdy kid. And everybody ridiculed her for it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the time she said she would walk down the hall and people would shout tape recorder at her because she had a habit of repeating speech Aww. patterns again and again um and that it you know it upset her she said she can laugh about it now but at the time it it really hurt yeah which is understandable yeah. once again blanket situation all children are dick, dicks as well mm-hmm. um so her parents got divorced when she was 15 and her mom remarried uh, a guy called Ben Cutler, who was a famous saxophonist, mm-hmm. it's not really relevant what he does, but it's just pretty cool, you know. Mm-hmm. So that same year that I think her mom got remarried, Temple went to spend the summer on her step aunt's ranch, mm-hmm. which was in Arizona. Just I suppose to give her something to do over the summer. Mm-hmm. And while she was there, she would watch the cattle being kind of herded around, mm-hmm. obviously like ready for slaughter. And to calm the cattle down, they would be put into this box that would be like, something would be like pulled and the, the sides of the box would like, I'm trying to demonstrate this to you, it's really hard to do, would like flip up and they would squeeze the cow, not to hurt them, but just to like, to kind of hug them, to, keep them, to calm the cows down. Oh, wow. And the cows would calm down and oh. then they would be released again.
0: I thought you were going to say something like, you know, where they keep the bull before the bullfight, And then they let it out? But no, no. Not,
1: not quite. That's that's just to kind of keep it contained. Whereas this is literally to
0: calm them down. If they're it's like getting nice like, agitated. Ish. Yeah. It's very weird yeah, because last it's... night I read in a book mm-hmm. about, um, it was like set in like 1910s where these boys had a job when they were kids to calm down the cattle who were going to walk out it walk across to the slaughterhouse which it's just weird yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah
1: that yeah a lot of this if you've read about how they used to do it then a lot of this will kind of become relevant mm-hmm. you'll, you'll understand what i kind of talk about so so yeah temple was kind of inspired by that because so she didn't like um human contact because from what i can gather it's because it couldn't be controlled yeah so like the the pressure wasn't mm-hmm. uh regular and kind of things like that so she didn't like hugs from people mm-hmm. but she really liked the pressure that a hug could give so she would like roll on the floor a lot because the, the pressure of the floor would mm-hmm. be quite regular so she it would like hug her so obviously here here was this machine mm. <laughs> that was literally designed to apply regular pressure to the body in order to calm someone down. Whoa.
0: did she come up with the the weighted blanket by any chance? Sort of, oh. yeah. So
1: she really enjoyed her time on the ranch, mm-hmm. really loved all the animals there, and really wanted to stay. But obviously she had to leave, and she had to. She ended up going to a boarding school. Mm-hmm for children with behavioural problems. And there she met um, this guy called William Curlock, who was the science teacher at the school, but he'd also previously worked at NASA. Oh, wow. Because where do all, you know, people (laughs) who've retired from NASA go? Work on schools, obviously. Mm -hmm. And he kind of became her mentor and really kind of inspired her, built her self-confidence and things like that, and kind of discovered... Because I also watched the film about... At temple grandon so a lot of this as well if it's not quite correct it's because it's from the film okay. um he kind of realized that the re- she didn't understand abstract concepts very well mm-hmm. so she had to see something to be able to understand it so subjects such as like biology she would understand because she could literally see what she was talking about but subjects like maths mm-hmm. she didn't understand as well because it was all kind of conceptual so he understood that and kind of encouraged mm-hmm. this way of learning to be kind of a more of an aesthetic way of learning mm-hmm. so she kind of told him about this box that she'd seen and he was like well why don't you build one mm-hmm. and she did and she called it her squeeze machine Aww. although he called yeah i think i think it was more patented as the hug box mm-hmm. And it was exactly like that, but once inside the box, she would be able to control the pressure of it. Mm -hmm. And she said it would calm her down when she was feeling kind of overstimulated and it would feel like a hug, but without needing to be touched by another person.
0: Oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Why isn't that a thing, though, like now? Like, I've never heard of it. It, Yeah. uh, I don't know. Kind of the weighted blanket, but... but not the same
1: yeah i've heard of kind of i've heard of a lot of people who say that that kind of concept like um that for a lot of autistic people being held tightly is something very important Mm. but i'd I'd never heard of a thing that had been created to do it so i don't know why yeah it went it kind of didn't become more of a thing she ended up working with somebody In uh, the 90s, she ended up working with this woman called Wendy Jacob, who would kind of try and adapt furniture to do the same thing. So like a chair that was quite tight, so you'd be able to sit in it and it would do the same thing. Mm -hmm. But from what I can gather, it didn't really take off very Mm. well. But I don't know why, because it seems like a very good idea. Yeah. (laughs) And it worked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe it is Mm. and we just haven't heard about it. Maybe I should have looked up whether you can still get them, mm. but I didn't. But yeah, from but yeah, the way to blanket is kind of a similar mm-hmm. idea, I guess, at that kind of pressure. Unsurprisingly, Temple did receive criticism for her uh, squeeze machine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but Kerlock suggested that if she was to undertake an actual scientific kind of evaluation of the box, mm-hmm. then maybe people would be more accepting of it. Oh, well.
0: Did she do that?
1: Yeah. And he kind of... She did, yeah. And he was able to kind of... So she would have, like, these ideas and become really obsessed with things and he'd be like, okay, but write it down or channel this into actual, like, data and things like that. So he was able to kind of refocus her on the actual task.
0: Oh, what a nice guy. So
1: she... I know. (laughs) She got loads of people in. From what I can gather, they were all neurotypical people. And she would have them kind of use the box Mm -hmm. uh, in different settings. So they would sit in it or they would stand in it or they would lie in it kind of things. And she would rate, she would ask them to rate their comfort, whether it calmed them, you know, the effects of it. Mm -hmm. And did find that even with people who didn't have autism, this box was doing the same thing. That for a lot of people, it was relieving their tension Mm. and was calming.
0: Hmm, that's good.
1: So yeah, it's really really cool. I want one. Um, I know. I was reading this and I was like, I perfectly understand. Mm. Like, because it's it's what like I don't know. I suppose I'm quite lucky that like I can actually get up from a hug from a person. But I don't know. It's the same. Yeah, just to be held is nice. It's quite comforting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Several therapy companies in the US do use hug boxes, oh. but they're not a mass kind mm. of marketed um object. Um but they use them specifically for adults and children uh who have autism. Mm-hmm. Um and her study that she'd conducted has been like redone many 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 times oh. to and to find the same results again that it does calm you. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So that was her childhood. Mm-hmm. So that kind of takes her up to the age of 18. Yeah. And now I'm going to speak about her adulthood. Okay. Which is a bit of a, a different kind of thing altogether. But mm-hmm. whilst we're on the subject of her, it's also notable to talk about these other really cool things she did. But that mm-hmm. was how she was really notable as a child. Fair enough. <laughs> so I kind of twisted the rules a bit. It's okay. So graduated from school in 1966 and we went to college. She got her bachelor's degree in human psychology. Oh. Um in 1970 mm-hmm. and then went on to do her master's um in animal science mm. and then went on to do her doctorate <laughs> in animal science as well from the University of Illinois. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And now she's like widely cited for because she had such an interest in cattle and ranches and how they treated the the animals. Mm-hmm. That was what all of her research was done on, was how to make more humane slaughterhouses. Okay.
0: I, th- I like it a yeah. bit. I mean, the slaughter not so much. Yeah. But making it more humane, I'm a fan. Yeah, and it's been interesting because she...
1: So in, in the film she has a conversation with somebody. I don't know how true the conversation is, but I assume it's based on fact. But she says, like, you know... They're there for they're there for meat because if they weren't there for meat, then we'd have them in a zoo. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we just farm them for this isn't I don't know. She kind of explains it in a way that it's like I I kind of get what you mean because somebody had said about like the whole idea of actually you know you believe so much in like the humane treat treat of animals. Do you not think it's inhumane to slaughter She's like, well, no, because they I'd rather. She said she'd rather be slaughtered in a slaughter farm then be torn apart by a line and that's their salute that's their alternative
0: okay
1: it, yeah it was a bit of a weird so you kind of just have to take that yeah yeah, yeah. so in 1980 she published two articles on beef cattle behavior Mm-hmm. so she kind of noticed that uh, cattle are really sensitive to visual distractions mm-hmm. that it calms them down so they, they're not kind of focused on what's happening so to kind of oh, it, uh, entertain them with like shadows or like bright chains and things like that mm-hmm. would calm them down mm-hmm. um, and kind of get them to do things mm-hmm. she did similar work with pigs as well uh, when she was working on her PhD And she'd written a book called Animal Makers Human, which kind of has all of her research in it. Um, And she's published, like, so many other articles Mm. linking to similar kind of things about how to treat animals Mm -hmm. humanely when they're being reared for slaughter. She was really interested as well the fact that when an animal is being slaughtered, if the animal has, like, high anxiety and fear, Mm. the actual meat quality is not as good. Okay. Which then leads to waste, and she didn't. She hated the idea of waste mm-hmm. it, with an animal. So she was like, "You, you treat an animal well, its meat can all be used, and then you don't need to kill more animals after that because you've used all of that."
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: yes, yeah, yeah.
0: Have you um, <laughs> ever seen? Um, I think it's called August Osage County. I haven't. It's a film from like 2013. It was one of the Oscar films. It's like a family drama all over a, a table, and like one like teenage girl in it um, starts talking about why you shouldn't eat meat, and she says this thing about the what the good taste of meat is actually the animal's fear, and like because the fear that when they die and then that's the taste that meat gives you, so you're actually tasting fear when you eat meat. But I'm not sure if that's quite poetic and probably just been disproved by this point. But I just thought of that.
1: Yeah, it's similar, yeah. I suppose it is similar, but I suppose, yeah, in this, you know, she said that it's the quality of the meat, but I suppose if, I don't know, in in, in inverted commas, if poor quality means yeah. better taste, and it literally is, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. the anxiety and fear of the animal that you are then eating. Yeah. She, um Temple also developed a lot of uh, numerical scoring systems in order to rate slaughterhouses. Mm. Um, those systems are still in place, I think, oh, right. are still used by a lot of uh, slaughter plants, and they were used in order to kind of improve the handling. So, like, just subtle things that would be mm-hmm. like, if you do this, it's actually better, if you do this, it's better, and, and, and they were all enforced. She also credits, like, her own anxiety and fear into how she kind of came up with a lot of these um ideas mm-hmm. so if she could see it in an animal because she understood what it was like to feel frightened with high pressured situations Then she knew how to kind of relieve oh, okay. that fear yeah. and how important it was for the animals and how to kind of channel it and she in doing so she also reduced a lot of injury within the animals which again led to less waste so there was a part and it's So, apparently, cows like to walk in circles, Mm -hmm. which I didn't realise. No, me neither. So, but when you lead a cow to slaughter, you have to, first you have to wash them, so they have to kind of walk through water, and then they have to kind of walk in, Mm -hmm. and all of that is done in a straight line, but because it's a straight line, the cows feel very, very panicked. Mm. So, what she came up with was she came up with curved roads so that the cows would just happily walk themselves along it so they won't, you know, fight with one another or, you know, resist any of it because they'll literally just walk Mm -hmm. through it because they quite like that kind of pattern. Yeah, that was kind of it. It led to a lot of controversy because a lot of people didn't understand why she was so kind of for, like... You would have thought she would have just closed the slaughter plants, yeah. but she had. Yeah, she said it was more ethical to just kind of calm them because I suppose, you know, there's there's probably no way you're going to ever be able to close, all yeah. So you, slaughter plants, you just
0: make it better instead.
1: So even yeah, if you're if you're creating something which forces people to be more humane about it, you're like, well, they still mm. you're still saving animals that way she was also really interested in the philosophy of animals and the rights that they had in the sense that she said because you own an animal but the same way that you would own a pen but when a pen breaks you can throw it at the floor and you can you know hit it and things like that. She said, but you can't with an animal because an animal has rights and she found it very strange that we we attach an object kind of status to animals in this state in the state you know kind of fact about ownership and yet they have rights and it's like we they're very much in between yeah being yeah being humanely treated our all being mm. not they're kind of in that limbo stage in between so yeah she has been given a hell of a ton of awards Mm -hmm. as well, including she appeared on the 100 most influential people list, Um, she's got the double helix medal, she's got so many honorary degrees, uh, and she was also included, when was this, I think this was two years ago, in the National Women's Hall of Fame. Um, And in 2010 she was um, in an interview and they asked whether she still used her squeeze machine and she said that she doesn't. Oh. That it had broken two years before, and she never fixed it because she's into hugging people now.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's sweet.
1: So that was her. Um, that was so interesting. It kind of fits into the honorary. <laughs> unregrading- <laughs> it is. It's especially because when she would explain like the way that she saw images, mm. it's just quite nice to you know she. Um, was able to kind of say okay well I don't think the same way as everybody else but it's fine she just thinks her own way and then was actually able to use it Mm
0: -mm. is
1: she still alive she is yes she's still alive Mm. she's last it was said I don't know if she still does but she was a, a professor at a university she still does a lot of speeches on being an autistic person kind of and everything that she's achieved with it mm. she's still yeah she's still um going. Yeah. she dresses really cool as well she dresses like a um, so she was from boston mm-hmm. which is what confused because i'd seen pictures of her before and she wears like you know um like the cowboy shirt oh, with yeah. the cows <laughs> all over it and like the the ties mm-hmm. and things like that and i was like but if you're from boston <laughs> that's not something you would have worn as a kid and she wears it because she likes the feel of it on her skin and I assume because it's got like animals on it as well she really likes it so (laughs) I was just like that's not what but no there is a reason so yeah she has some wicked shirts I bet (laughs) yeah so that is her I really like that (laughs) thank you very much do you wanna have a break yes and then we'll come back to it okay I'll see you in a second then yep
0: (laughs) Hey Karina, do you want to hear an interesting new fact about sloths? Impossible, Cassie.
1: I know all there is to know about sloths. They spend their whole lives eating and sleeping and that's
0: living the dream in my book. I bet you don't know this fact. Fine, surprise me. Sloths are surprisingly fast and skilled swimmers. They can move three times faster in water than they ever can on land. Suddenly I love them even more. Where can I possibly learn more
1: exciting and interesting facts about sloths? Well, we did do an entire episode on sloths for CritterCast. Right! CritterCast, our comedic, animal-themed podcast. It's the show where we talk about all kinds of animals and why we love them.
0: We upload new episodes twice a month on every second and fourth Sunday.
1: Just in time for your Monday morning commute. You can find CritterCast on iTunes, Spotify, and many other podcast streaming apps.
0: Plus, check out our website, CritterCastPodcast.com, for links to all of our social media, and for more fun facts and adorable photos of critters, big and small. CritterCast Podcast.
1: Welcome back. Yes.
0: Yes. (laughs) So, who have you done for this episode? So, I've done Samantha Smith.
1: Samantha Smith. I really like the alliteration.
0: Yeah. Well her mid it's actually yeah. Samantha Reed Smith. But she's not really known by a middle oh, okay. name. That's just her middle name. Okay.
1: Samantha Smith sounds, you know it sounds cooler. So she was the O. G. Sam Smith then.
0: Why who else is Oh yeah, the singer. Yeah. <laughs> I so did not think yeah, she's about the she's that. the
1: true Sam Smith.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think she was born before him. Probably. She was born in um mm. June 29th, uh, 1972. Definitely born before him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she was a peace activist and a child actress from Manchester in Maine. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I said I've never heard of her. She's not that well known. It's quite weird because I'll go into it but the association she has isn't a good one, but she did a good thing, which is weird. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So she became famous during the Cold War, which I'm sure people know U.S. and Soviet Union. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, anger. Yeah, a lot of anger. So she actually she wrote a letter to the newly appointed Russian leader Yuri Andropov, saying, I mean, I'll go into the letter specifically, but basically, like asking why do you want to bomb our country? Like, why can't you just have peace? When she was 10... Straight to the point, I like it. (gasps) Oh, that's (laughs) kind of cute. I know. And kind of (laughs) sad. Yeah. I mean, so she has a a history of letter writing. So when she was five, she wrote a letter to Queen Elizabeth II to say that she admired her a lot for being the monarch. (laughs) that's such a weird thing I I admire you because family (laughs) I don't know so her father was an instructor at Ricker College in Holton still in Maine Mm -hmm. Uh, and then he became a literature and writing teacher at the University of Maine and her mother was a social worker oh cool so I I did a bit way too much context but I was having fun so I'm just going to go with it so, yep. It's Did you know that what the, the Soviet Union's motto was?
1: I feel like I've read it somewhere but it's it doesn't come to mind.
0: It's, it's "Workers of the world unite."
1: I didn't know that.
0: But that that's
1: a good slogan.
0: I know, it's weird cuz I know I as reading it about the start of the Soviet Union and for the first couple of years it actually worked like Russia was like prospering. It was doing really well. And then like mm-hmm. the 30s happened. And I mean, I say really well. They did kill like the Tsar of Russia and all these children in a really brutal, way. Very, very <laughs> like... brutal way. But I mean, yeah. in the sense
1: of communism, <laughs> like in the sense of the poor people having power that they were entitled to. Yes. It's good. Until but in the sense that it, it's Yeah, they sort of did ended. a lot of bad things to do it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because around like the start of the thirties there was a, a big famine in Russia which kind of mm-hmm. broke down all the prosperity. And then the Nazis happened. And then, you know, the rest just went a bit downhill. So yeah. context of what was going on in America and Russia at this time. So it was nineteen eighty two. And Yuri Andropov was had just succeeded Leonid Brezhnev as the leader of the Soviet Union. And so mm-hmm. he had a history. He was the Soviet ambassador to Hungary during the Hungarian Revolution in 1956, which was basically like they started demanding, you know, human rights. And they kind of killed all their people cuz they didn't want that it was the biggest threat to the soviet union since the nazis cool and he was also the like the chairman of the KGB for 15 years before he was the leader so in the us when he was first made the leader it was put all over the news that he was a really like unstable leader and the, the the west was under a lot of threat from him okay hence the cold that war environment far
1: removed from like yeah what's kind of what happens still today
0: yeah and also the cold war environment was literally just thriving on that anyway yeah so she saw uh, about this in a magazine that he that like people were really afraid of him and he just started the soviet union was in a war with afghanistan which was like increasing tension at the time and it was time magazine i found it uh, that she saw him and she said to her mother if people are so afraid of him why doesn't someone write a letter asking why he wants a war or not and then her mother's like why don't you so she did i love that oh
1: <laughs> been like your kids like asking you so like, i don't know why don't you write the letter <laughs> shit you're writing the letter <laughs> okay i'll get the stamps <laughs>
0: I'm going to read the letter because it's not that long. Okay. So she put, Dear Mr Antropov, My name is Samantha Smith. I am 10 years old. Congratulations on your new job. I've been worrying about Russia and the United States getting into a nuclear war. Are you going to vote to have a war or not? If you aren't, please tell me how you're going to help to not have a war. This question you do not have to answer, but I would like it if you would. Why do you want to conquer the world, or at least our country? God made the world for us to share and take care of, not to fight over or have one group of people own it all. Let's do what he wanted and have everybody be happy too. Samantha Smith. It's so sweet. (laughs) I love her. I know. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, and um, she actually received a reply from the... Soviet leader and it was oh no! yeah she it was also published in a Soviet newspaper called pra, Pravd, Pravda okay but she found out about that before she got a reply so she got in touch with one of his colleagues and was like am I actually gonna get a reply to my letter or not <laughs> mm-hmm, um and mm-hmm. then she did it was five months no six months later that she did get a, a letter oh my back God. but she still got one okay This is a lot longer, so I've cut bits out, and I'll read bits Mm -hmm. of it. So he said, I received your letter, which is like many others that have reached me recently from your country and from others around the world. And then he starts talking about Tom Sawyer from Mark Twain's Tom Sawyer Saying, You're a lot like um, Becky, the courageous and honest girl in that, and the book is well-loved in our country. And then he says... You write that you are anxious about whether there will be a nuclear war between our two countries. Your question is the most important of those that every thinking man can pose. I will reply to you honestly and seriously. He said, yes, Samantha, we in the Soviet Union are trying to do everything that there will be not to be a war on Earth. This is what every Soviet man wants. This is what the great founder of our state, Vladimir Lenin, taught us. And then he starts going about, about the Nazis, saying that they stopped it and that... The US were once in alliance with Russia, but then because mm-hmm. that was to stop the Nazis. But then that fell apart. They both have nuclear weapons in America and Russia, but they don't want to to use them. So, because I think the Soviet Union had said before that they'd never use the nuclear weapons first, and he sort of yeah. reiterates that, and he says, "We want peace. There is something that we are occupied with." growing wheat, building and inventing, writing books and flying into space. We want peace for ourselves and for all peoples of the planet, for, for our children and for you, Samantha. And then I invite you, if your parents will let you, to come to our country, the best time being this summer. You will find out about our country, meet with your te- contemporaries, visit an international children's camp and see for yourself in the Soviet Union, everyone is for peace and friendship among peoples. Thank you for your letter. I wish you all the best in your young life. Why, Antropov? (laughs) Okay,
1: right. If I were her parents, I would not let her go. I know. It's such a crazy story. So... Like, I understand that he's, like, the leader of a country, and you'd be like, okay, he's obviously been vetted. I mean, Mm -hmm. that doesn't work for most countries, Donald Trump. But, like... It's still—he's a grown man. He's like, come to my country. I know. <laughs> I'll take you to the children's camps. I'd <laughs> be like, fuck no. <laughs> I know. Um. But anyway, that's a lovely gesture.
0: Yeah. Um. And you'll be happy to know she went.
1: Oh wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. Like her parents went with her. It's still. It's still very strange.
1: weird. Like. How do you tell, like, oh, by the way, the leader of Russia has invited <laughs> me to... Oh, the leader of the Soviet Union has invited me to Russia on a holiday.
0: <laughs> That's like, yeah, chill, out. I'll put the towel now. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, the media found out, and they went insane. And she was on, like, um, yeah. late night TV, like, Ted Koppel and Johnny Carson. Yeah. And so, on July the 7th, 1983, which was just three months after she received the letter... She flew to Moscow with her parents and spent two weeks as Andropov's guest. <laughs> so, during the trip, she visited Moscow and Leningrad, which is technically St. Petersburg, but they changed Saint the St. Petersburg, yeah. Um, and she spent time in Artek, which is the kids' camp. She spoke at a Moscow press conference and she declared that Russians were just like us.
1: I I bet the president loved that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was
1: Reagan, at the time. Oh God! So wait, so she's
0: eleven now. Wait, when was she? Or still ten? She'll be eleven now. When she's, she's got, eleven, now. yeah. That's insane. I know. What the hell? <laughs> and so when she went to the camp, she chose to stay with the Soviet children other than, like, because they'd arranged for some fancy accommodation for her, but she said, no, I want to stay with the, mm-hmm. the children. So she did. So she stayed at a dormitory with nine other girls, and she spent her time swimming, talking, and learning Russian songs and dances.
1: So, so she did those in that order? She was swimming, then she was talking? <laughs> I, I actually followed none of this conversation, maybe I need to learn Russian. <laughs>
0: I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's
1: so weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, I assume that Russians could speak English. Some can. Simply because, So, so yeah, she had to have um, um,
0: English-speaking people with her all the time so that she could ah. communicate properly. Because some did not some didn't. Okay. It. Yeah. And she made okay. a, a friend uh, called Natasha Kashirina from Leningrad, St. Petersburg. It was a fluent English speaker. But mm-hmm. the leader, Andropov, was actually unable to visit or, like, visit her while she was there because he was sick at the time, which they didn't actually know because he was very private about it. He was quite seriously ill. Mm-hmm. So, but she did speak to him on the phone. And she also spoke on the phone with the Russian cosmonaut Valentina Tereshkova, who was the first woman to orbit the Earth. But when she called, after having a very brief conversation with her, she put the phone down because she didn't realise who she was speaking to. <laughs> Oh my god! (laughs) Oh my god! Okay. So um, like when she was in Russia, all the media were following everywhere, and she became widely known to Soviet citizens, and she was actually like very much liked by them, and so in America, people got suspicious, and were like, "It's just an American style relations stunt, public relations stunt." Well, uh, yeah, she's she's (laughs) eleven. They
1: had the whole. But, yeah, but they had the Red Scare and they were like, if you were, like, four and you said the word communism, you were, like, shot, so it's... Yeah, yeah,
0: that's true. But on her return to the US on July the 22nd, 1983, she was celebrated by the people of Maine with roses and a red carpet and a limousine. And still people were quite sceptical of her because they thought she was being used as a Soviet propaganda. Mm-hmm. Which... Kind of makes sense a little bit because mm-hmm. it's not corresponding with the russia that the cold war were terrified of but so she ended up becoming a goodwill ambassador for the us okay still as a child so she became known as the america's youngest a- ambassador did she not go to school somehow she did at the same time um
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay cool So So what are you doing this weekend? Oh, you know, I'm going to the beach. What are you doing this weekend? Well, you know, I'm the youngest ambassador for uh, Spokesperson for America. So I'm just going to go to some conferences. uh, I'm not even joking. This is what she does. Oh, my God. I hate to say it, but if I was at school with her, I'd hate her. Oh, yeah. Um... We get it.
0: We get it, Sam. (laughs) So in December of the same year, she was invited to Japan where she met with the Prime Minister then, and she was invited to the Children's International Symposium. Oh, my gosh. Where she would give a speech. And um, she said in a speech that she, she wanted to encourage Soviet and American ex- like leaders exchange their granddaughters for two weeks every year. And then her point okay. was that you wouldn't want to send a bomb to a country your granddaughter is visiting. That's a very good point, actually.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're very wise.
0: Mm-hmm. So then Russia got their own goodwill ambassador, an 11-year-old Soviet child called Katya Lecheva who went to the United States. There's not that much about her, but she's yeah, kind of the equivalent. I mean,
1: that feels like they were just trying to compete.
0: Yeah. But then, after this, she, with the assistance of her father, wrote a book about visiting the Soviet Union called Journey to the Soviet Union.
1: Really love the title, very creative. I, I love the pun.
0: And the cover mm. is a picture of her at Artec, the, which was a favourite part of the trip at the kids' camp. Nice. Yeah. So, in 1984, she sort of continued her career as like a media celebrity and so she she hosted a children's special for disney channel called samantha smith goes to washington campaign 84 which was basically like the presidential election but for kids and she hosted it (laughs) she was 12 at this time (laughs) oh my god and she guest starred in some shows she was in Charles in Charge. Never heard of it. Might be known in the US. And she also, I don't know... It's also a bit before, yeah, our time. Our time. yeah, true. She also, I don't know if you know the stalker Robert John Bardo. No. Well, he's a murderer too. He he um, stalks and killed the actress of My Sister Sam, who's Rebecca Schaefer. Yes. Um, so he started stalking her first. what she was how old? 12. Uh, slash 13. Uh, uh. I know, I know. And he yeah. tried to... He tried to go to Maine to meet her all the time, but he was luckily stopped by the police and then went back to his own home. Ugh, scumbag. Okay, yeah. cool. And then in 1985, she... Played a co-starring role of the elder daughter to Robert Wagner's character in the television series called Lime Street. The way this was talked about seems as if it's quite famous. I've never heard of it.
1: I've heard of it. I've never seen it.
0: There you go. It's famous. And this is where it takes (laughs) a very dark turn.
1: Oh, no. I know. Just one sec. Just let me enjoy... Just enjoy Sam. I'm enjoying...
0: Okay, it's nothing to do with the stalker, though. That doesn't. Okay, but on. on August twenty fifth of nineteen eighty five, she was returning home on a flight with her father, after finish like filming Lime Street, and it crashed, and killed all eight people on board. Oh. She was thirteen. No, what? Huh, uh. Mm so uh, what? Yeah, she was thirteen. She so she's she died. She's dead. Yeah. She's, what? I know. It's it shocked me. <laughs> um No <laughs> I know. Um so the the plane was it was only one thousand two hundred and twenty two meters from the runway but there was a glitch with some of the radar systems and apparently the crew were not well-trained enough and basically a lot of things went wrong that usually shouldn't have all happened at the same time, but it did and they sort of crashed into some trees and the impact of it, you couldn't survive. I know, it's... it's... I'm sorry, I feel like I've broken you... <laughs> <laughs> what? I know, I just... There wasn't, like, a nice that way wasn't... to segue into it. I just...
1: You know what I said that, like, I, I was... You know, I'd really struggle with my research because I struggled to find a child who kind of, like hadn't started doing something when she was a child and then finished doing it when she was an adult. This wasn't what I meant as a resolution to that issue.
0: I know, but that was because I kept seeing that and I was like, well, she died as a child so she could only be famous as a child. So I thought it was a perfect person.
1: I mean, yes, but... I didn't see that coming.
0: I'm sorry. I mean, neither did I. (laughs) You you didn't do it, did you? Um, oh okay but there was a lot of speculation as whether it was actually an accident or not and it was some like people surely nobody would have they thought it was foul play from the soviet union but doesn't really make sense if they liked her but they the u.s filed an official report nothing came back as foul play so it all seems like legitimate just a lot of things happened And a very short amount of time, and it shouldn't have done. Yeah. So, uh, at a funeral, uh, a thousand people showed up in Maine, and she was eulogised in Moscow as a champion of peace. Oh. And the the new... he, He was going to be the last leader of the USSR gave a message of condolence for her. Uh, which was, everyone in the U- Soviet Union who has known Samantha Smith will forever remember the image of the American girl who, like millions of Soviet young men and women, dreamt about peace and about friendship between the people of the United States and the Soviet Union. And then um, Reagan had to chime in, didn't he? Oh,
1: so he could just... He was <laughs> mouth shut. What did so, so
0: Reagan sent his condolences to her mother, and he said, "Perhaps you can take some measure of comfort in the knowledge that millions of Americans, indeed millions of people, share the gr- the burdens of your grief. They will, they also will cherish and remember Samantha, her smile, her idealism, and unaffected sweetness of spirit." Which I don't think is that helpful. It's like saying.
1: Don't feel too sad because I'm sad too.
0: Literally. And it's her daughter and husband. (sighs) But her ashes were cremated with her father and she was buried in Estabrook Cemetery in Maine. But she has quite a lot of things happen after her life about her. Okay, good. Good, okay, yep
1: positivity from th- mm-hmm. a, the tragedy yeah go on
0: so a monument was built in moscow in the artek camp um it was called samantha smith, smith alley in 1986 and an o- another monument was built in moscow oh no this is the same one but this one was actually stolen by metal thief st- in 2003 okay. To be fair, this was after the Soviet Union ended, and I guess if they didn't understand the context, and they just thought, this is from the Soviet Union, we didn't like them, let's take it. But without knowing. But then, but then this nice woman rebuilt it with no support from the government, using her own money, and put it back. Aww. Which was nice. Okay. She also, the Soviet Union gave her a commemorative stamp,
1: Is it like on letters? Yeah. Because she used to write letters. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Carry on. And um, the Soviet astronomer Lyudmila Shernik discovered an asteroid which she named 3147 Samantha. I'm going to make Grace cry.
1: (laughs) You literally are. Um,
0: Carry on. And then a Danish composer wrote a violin concerto called Remembering Child in in memory of Samantha Smith. And then a a diamond was also found in Siberia, (laughs) a mountain like formerly in the Soviet Union where lots of tulips and dahlias were and it was named in her honour. And then in Maine, the first Monday in June of each year is officially designated as Samantha Smith Day by state law.
1: That's really
0: cute. I know. It keeps going. Grace is crying. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Carry on. There's a bronze statue of her in Maine, uh, in the Maine State Museum, uh, which portrays her releasing a dove and a bear cub is sat by her feet. Because, and the bear cub represents Maine and Russia. <laughs> oh, I've broken Grace.
1: I feel like I want to Google a picture of these. I know it's so uh, sweet monuments, but I feel I feel like it's just gonna break me.
0: Yeah, Keep it talking. keeps going. <laughs> oh. So there was a few um, elementary schools in Washington, Jamaica, New York, all named after her. And in 1985, her mother founded the Samantha Smith Foundation, which fostered um, student exchanges between the Soviet Union and the United States but after the like end of the Soviet Union it kind of died out because you can't really I don't think it works as much but so it kind of faded but it was a nice intention and kind of followed what she wanted and there was also an episode of Golden Girls and Superman 4 was based on her story partly not entirely. Okay, And then in 2008, she posthumously received the Peace Abbey Courage of Conscious Award for helping to bring about better understanding between the peoples of the US and the USSR, and as a result, reduce the tension between the superpowers that were poised and engaged to engage in nuclear war. And then they also gave her the, uh, the Peace Literature Project, which was to promote education in schools about peace, Um, and it was trialled in 50 schools across the country. I'm not sure how it ended, though, but I'm sure it was well. Mm -hmm. And then on the 30th anniversary of the plane crash in 2015, the Maine State Museum opened a new exhibit of materials related to her, which was, like, photographs of her time at the Artec camp, the traditional Russian clothing she was given, and the Soviet Life magazine, which she was the cover of. Mm -hmm. And um, that's Samantha Smith. I'm so sorry I made you
1: cry. (laughs) I wasn't anticipating that when I said (laughs) no double children (laughs) as the theme. But, no, you smashed it with that, that was, that was, she was really, really good, she was such a good
0: person, I know, well done, thank you, I just, I thought it was weird, because, because she's associated with the Soviet Union, but like, there's not many good things attached to that, so, yeah, I don't know, I just thought that she, because I read on the, the Good Housekeeping, article that I read there was 40 kids who were notable and there were so many like wonderful like girls who had done so much like starting a lemonade shop that turned into a giant charity and all sorts like that yeah but I don't know I just felt like hers could so easily be forgotten and slip through history yeah because it's just a short period of time and such a tiny thing she did which why I like it because I feel like it is significant
1: yeah, and also, especially because it's such a, you know, being about that, the the Soviet Union means it, it definitely is one of those things that's, yeah people just overlook it as being something that could contain something good.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's just so sad. I know. It, there were a lot of things about her mother was asked a lot what she thought Samantha would be doing now if she was alive. Which yeah. annoyed her a little bit because she was a child and so she changed her mind a lot, like most children do. So she couldn't really answer that question. I feel like she would have done great things.
1: Well, I wasn't expecting that, um, that But <laughs> I um, wasn't expecting to cry. And that's the first time i cried on the podcast, actually.
0: I think so. I think you made me cry yeah. before.
1: Good. Because you and I just dry-eyed the whole way through and I was like, is this, <laughs> is this not affecting you? Because it's affecting me. It's because when
0: I read it, I got teary.
1: But okay, good.
0: Now I was just relaying good. it. Yeah. I never know how to turn it, like... Because it, it was going so nice and then just tragedy. I never know how to, like, segue into that. So I just have to do it. Straight. Yeah... The,
1: to be fair though, like, the fact that, because obviously, what she was saying everything, you knew that it ended that way. There was a lot of potential for you to kind of, to make the whole thing mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. But the fact, because it, it wasn't, and what she did wasn't about that. Yeah. It was about, you know, everything good that she'd done. So, so yeah, mm. it was important that you kind of, you, you maintained that, and it was good. You did it well.
0: Do you have any recommendations for this week?
1: Recently I read, uh, I've been reading some plays by Laura Wade, um, so I would definitely say go and read those. Did she write Posh? I mean, she did, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: I've read that. Is yours? Yeah. That's one I have really recently read. I finished it today. It's based on, um, Um, well, the film is The Riot Club, isn't it?
1: Yes, which is based on the play. Yeah, yeah. And then she also wrote, I think it's called Home. I'm Darling, which mm-hmm. is really good as well. So I would recommend both of those.
0: Nice. Um,
1: and then oh, there's um, I actually don't know if the film was made by women. It'd probably be good if I looked this up. But have you seen as the not a film, actually it's a TV series on Netflix about C. J. Walker?
0: Yes, I have. You seen? I'm I so excited to, to start post it. Post about it. <laughs> yeah
1: so excited I know because my mum was showing me it she was like oh have you seen this because she knows that I really like Octavia Spencer and she's mm-hmm. like have you seen this new thing and I was like oh my gosh and I, was I like, know That's... <laughs> we did a podcast episode about her <laughs> <laughs> I was like did you what did she do I was like she's amazing mum she did everything listen <laughs> yeah mm. but yeah have you got anybody for
0: this recommendation mm. when you're talking about your person I was thinking about a film by Jane Campion Called an Angel at My Table, mm-hmm. which is similar-ish. In it, never comes up with the diagnosis of it in the film, but it's about this. if She's a real author. Um, it's based on her life in um, the start of it because I think she was very anxious. She might have been. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but she was diagnosed as schizophrenic and spent like ten years in a mental institution. And she kind of saw things in different ways to other people, and it just reminded me of that of like seeing the world in a different way. But it's really, really mm-hmm. well done, and like her story is incredible.
1: will yeah! So I haven't heard that. No, I looked that up. Yeah.
0: But, Yeah, it's good. So I think that's the episode.
1: I think that is the episode. It's a long one. Christ, yes.
0: that's long. It's For... okay. They're important children. They are.
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> and we should be back soon with a new episode. Yep. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> we need to call the with a sign-off. It's too, it, it's, this is, yeah.
0: We need to call for with a good sign-off. Peace Peace out. Yeah.